Hello and welcome to another weekly edition of Popcorn Optional, a movie podcast where we talk all things movies. My name is Cameron Slanina and I am joined by my co-hosts Jake Brown and back from uh, eternal leave, Trevor Allison. Trevor's back. He's a dad. Good to be back. I don't sleep as much as I used to. Other than that, things are pretty regular. She's adorable. It's good to know that the bowels are all regular. Let's go ahead <laughs> and like talk it, about... For everybody. <laughs> yes. Let's go ahead and get into what today's episode is. And if you're listening to this, then you know by the title that this is our top 10 episode of 2017, where we are going to go through each of our personal lists of our top 10 movies from 2017. We finally have caught up on movies from that year, seen a bunch of movies that we thought may make the list, seen movies that we thought may make the list and ended up nowhere near it, saw movies that we didn't think would be anywhere near it and are on it, and we're here. And we're going to run through what we believe are some of the best movies from this year. Um, But before we get to that, the opposite of that is talking about the worst. (laughs) So guys, what's the worst movie we saw this year? Or you saw? I know what the worst movie I saw was. For me, it was definitely Transformers. I mean, the fact that it's bad is one thing. The fact that it's two and a half hours long... Is it puts it in a whole another category. I think, you know, we've been pretty against waterboarding as a country recently. <laughs> and I think if you hang somebody upside down and make them just watch this, they will tell you anything. Yes. And Jake, let's remind everybody that you didn't even have to pay to see this movie to where I had to pay for two people to see this. <laughs> I paid for I, your ticket and I paid for mine. You know, I'll give Cameron a lot of credit. He's more dedicated to this podcast than I am. Um, I just, I just couldn't give him my money, but I went and saw it anyway. So I don't, I don't know if that means anything. <laughs> yes, I thought it would make great content. I still stand by that. I think it's a great, fun episode. But boy, did I want to rip my eyes out for all two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe not. I, like, I there's a bright spot in that was... movie, but it's not bright. <laughs> I, I unfortunately was with my wife in, on the beach in San Diego instead of seeing Transformers, but I laughed out loud several times while listening to that episode, so I am a little sad that I missed it because there was some good content, I agree. And we're all about content it, here. Yeah. Don't watch the movie, just listen to the episode. Yeah, you don't, yes. need, you don't need to have seen the movie to get something out of the, the podcast. Let me tell you what happened. No, the real podcast quick. is fun regardless. There are robots, and somehow King Arthur's involved. Speaking of King Arthur, that movie was also a hot pile of garbage. Yep. Um. Yes. And also to throw in there, Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Men Tell No Tales. That is that is in fact my least favorite movie of the year. King Arthur had some the slightest redeeming qualities by being so off the wall weird that it kind of kept me intrigued. Um. But Pirates of the Caribbean was this massive disappointment because of what the series has been, um, what Javier Bardem has been, and how this this film turned all of it into this this giant joke that was ridiculous. So, um, yes, any movie that rips off the Fast and the Furious is negative in my book. So, guys, don't try and lift this bank robbery scene from one of the greatest action scenes of all time. I literally, I literally don't remember anything from Pirates of the Caribbean except just, for let you me just remind reminding you me that that happened. It's rather it's Jeffrey a rather... Rush is the father 
of the girl randomly at the last minute with no cues given at all before that. Spoilers. It's pretty remarkable to take a movie with Jeffrey Rush and Javier Bardem headlining and make it that bad. That's that's yeah. pretty yes. that's pretty impressive. And Orlando Bloom, I think you forgot him. Uh, okay. <laughs> There's another film we didn't talk about at all in this podcast, but I watched with my wife one night, and it is called Valerian, the City mm. of a Thousand Planets by by sci-fi master Luke Besson. Yes, who, in all seriousness, has had many wonderful films. He has crafted some truly. Truly incredible p- features, but oh my goodness, is Valerian a hot piece of garbage? You could not have cast two worse people for those <laughs> roles than Dane DeHaan and Cara Delevingne. Yeah. Like, they're both great in other things, but in this movie, it's the flattest I've ever seen either of them. Is Cara Delevingne good in other things? See, I used to think Dane DeHaan was good, but now I realize that he's only good when he's mad. So he's only good in Chronicle. He's great in Chronicle. In yeah. what? He's only good in Chronicle. Back to 2017. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's go ahead and get to what were some of our favorite individual things that we saw in movies, whether it's an acting performance, the score, cinematography, a certain scene. What were some of you guys' like favorite moments in movies or favorite things that happened this year? Okay, I don't want to completely hijack this thing, but I've got like two minutes to run down a few things. Um, a couple of my favorite performances acting-wise that are kind of, they're not going to get Academy Awards, but they were a lot of fun, was Laura Dern in The Last Jedi as Admiral Holdo. Um, I thought she was great. I also loved O'Shea Jackson Jr.'s character in Ingrid Goes West, Dan Pinto, yeah. the Batman-obsessed screenwriter. He <laughs> He like... In a in a very weird, bizarre, interesting movie, he kind of stole the whole thing and was just an absolute delight. Um, especially because he doesn't have a full grasp on who Batman is as a character while still writing unauthorized screenplays about him. <laughs> um, other things, real quick. Um, Wonder Woman was just we'll talk about it again, but it was just a shock and a delight. What a wonderful, what a wonderful, no pun in, uh, pun intended film. Um. <laughs> Let's talk about the the mustaches and only the brave. Another scene, yes. like show stealing performance from the mustaches. There, um, <laughs> I got a shout out to David Ayers for getting his Lord of the Ring fanfic sequel that no one asked for made into a full movie, um, and somehow getting Will Smith in it. So, props to him. Um, and in the sequel. Yeah, and now getting more sequels to the se- to the un- identif- unauthorized Lord of the Rings sequel. Um, to the sequels. The funniest joke of the year was something that we kind of tiptoe around, but Cam and I talked about this in The Big Sick. Um, there's, there's a joke um, that Camille Nanjani makes, and if you haven't seen The Big Sick, I don't want to ruin the joke for you. Um, it's a joke that makes you cringe and also laugh, and you'll know it when you hear it. Um, and it's a joke that also is perfect... This is one of my favorite moments. It's the hardest I've laughed at a joke this year. And it's not, it's perfect, not because of the joke's perfect, but because of where it comes in the movie, how it's used and how like it's honestly used to just diffuse a situation and go so poorly the other way. It's, it's so real. It's, it's perfect. Yes. 
That's what that's what makes it great. And then my last thing, yeah. um, things I want to talk about from this year, my three favorite shots of the year. One, anything that shows Kay in La- the Las Vegas scenes in Blade Runner 2049 are absolutely beautiful. Um, in Dunkirk, the plane flying across the beach with its engine dead, um, just floating there was haunting. And the shot of Luke confronting the row of AT-ATs in The Last Jedi, mm. um, as we mm. talked about, is, is the very soul of the Star Wars franchise um, and everything that we love about Star Wars within within one shot. Boom. Mm. Um, I'll hit mine really quick. Mine are a little bit broader. Um, but first off, just the Me Too movement. Really cool. Long overdue. And uh, it's it's exciting. Uh, I think this year we had some of the best cinematography and scores in a really long time. I mean, Blade Runner 2049, Dunkirk, Mud... Bl- uh, blah, what is it called? Mud Blood? No. Mudbound. Mudbound. Mud not mudblood. Mud nope. <laughs> not a Harry Potter fan fiction. Not, <laughs> ugh, woof. Um Yeah, did we like Shape of Water was fantastic cinematography wise, and that's probably the only good thing you'll hear me say about that movie tonight. Um yeah, I technically this was an incredible year for film. Um Al- Alice and Janney's performance and I Tanya, she's a minch, gosh darn it. I don't care what you guys say. Uh we had some incredible indie films come out this year that we're gonna talk more about later, I'm sure. And just overall, this was a heck of a year for movies, guys. What a great year that we picked to start a podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. there, There's legit good movies that are like 16, 17, 18 on my list. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, th- the first thing I have to shout out is the Holdo maneuver in Star Wars The Last Jedi. Oh, man. Which is maybe the greatest 10 seconds of screen time in a movie this year. Like bar none. If the Oscar went to movies that just had ten seconds of pure greatness, that scene would win best scene of the year because it's just everything from like the voidness of sound to the exposure shift down of the light. It's just and what it like means for the Star Wars universe as a whole. It's just the perfect film moment. Um there's the big sick joke that Trevor already talked about. And then I want to give a shout out to an actor that not many people give respect to, but a man who deserves more respect than a lot of people. And at 49, he's doing some incredible things. And that is the Australian legend, Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Who this year was in Logan playing the final time uh, as the Wolverine, maybe his best performance. And then also he was in the very unseen film, but very delightful, The Greatest Showman as P.T. Barnum. And while that movie may be just an okay movie, the music in it is fantastic and will tear at your heartstrings. So way to go, uh, Hugh Jackman. And then I want to give a shout out to Marvel because they went three for three this year. (laughs) And not only did they go three for three, but they hit one of the biggest home runs off of the fastest fastball you've ever seen in the form of finally nailing Spider-Man and getting a perfect actor to play that character in Tom Holland. So Tom Holland, go have yourself an ice cream on me. I don't think, (laughs) you know, we will buy you ice cream. Ice cream. Come on our podcast. This is so creepy. (laughs) Hey, uh, kid, go buy yourself an ice cream on me. Don't tell your mom. Go buy yourself some moon rocks. (laughs) 
And there's our office reference for the night. Yeah. Um, moving on. <laughs> We're going to get into our top tens. And like we've already said, this was an incredibly hard process. I mean, I think I started out with like 25 films and then narrowed it down to like my top 10 plus like eight honorable mentions. Um, but we should mention these are our favorite movies of the year. You may not always agree with them, but they're the films that we that resonated most with us. They're the films that we would love to watch over and over again. They're they're our favorites. They're personal to us, and that's ultimately what this is. Is not maybe what the best films of the year are, but what's our favorite movies that we watched this year. We should also say that with that, this isn't our full time job, and we weren't able to see every movie this year. I mean. There are films that we saw that could easily make their way into this. I, I for one, I didn't see the Emoji movie, and that's a serious <laughs> contender. Um, but no, on a serious note, I didn't get to see The Post, Phantom Thread, Florida Project, Wonder, Last Flag Flying, Lost City of Z, uh, Mudbound, or the Myrowitz stories, all of which could have made it onto my top 10, possibly had I seen them. So... Um, were there any films that you guys didn't see this year that you feel like could make it onto there once you see them? Yeah, for sure. I had a uh, Lady Bird, The Florida Project, The Disaster Artist, The Big Sick. I think that all of those that I just said might have been on my top ten if I had seen them. Uh, I missed a Ghost Story. I missed The Post, and I just haven't gotten around to Mudbound either. Uh, it takes a lot of time to see all these movies and talk about them and edit these episodes and along with other jobs in life. And uh, we we fortunately had the problem of there were too many good movies this year. So I'm excited to see yes. those. I just I just haven't gotten a chance to see them yet. Yeah, a, a lot of mine are the same as, as some of your guys's. Um, I didn't see Logan or Get Out, two of the early, kind of early in the year films um, that I I think both would have been pretty high on, on my list. Um, I also missed Thor Ragnarok. Um, just because of weird scheduling and stuff. So I'm a little upset about oh. that. I know that, I know that you guys didn't like love it, but, um, but I definitely, definitely, oh, you'd be surprised. definitely missed it. Um, I, I missed I, Tanya, the post lady bird, a ghost story, all ones, all interesting kind of things that I wanted to see still, um, still have a chance to see them of course, but just not in time for, for this evaluation that we're putting out. And I should say that we reserve the right to amend these lists upon a later date. Should we see those films we can always just butt in and be like hey that one would have been in there but for now as of january 30th 2018 we are ready to put a wrap on 2017 get to our top 10 from 2017 and then move on to 2018 and hopefully have some good films this year the year starts off strong but it's gonna be an interesting year i think but we're not talking 2018, we're talking 2017. So let's go ahead and get to our honorable mentions before we get to our top 10. Trevor, why don't you run through some of your honorable mentions? Um, yeah, so just outside of my top 10 are Ingrid Goes West, a movie I just watched, which I think is a really um, important movie in a lot of ways. A really interesting movie with great performances by Aubrey Plaza and Elizabeth Olsen, um, among as well as O'Shea Jackson Jr., who I talked about, who's, in fact, Ice Cube's son, which is why he looks just like Ice Cube. Mm. Um, he also played Ice Cube in the Straight Outta Compton movie last year, which is kind of fun. Um, 
So uh, that um, Logan Lucky, which I didn't, which didn't blow me away like I wanted to, but the more I sat with Logan Lucky, the more intrigued I was by it. Um, it's a really interesting kind of film. And then uh, my other honorable mention is War for the Planet of the Apes, um, which is the the kind of conclusion to the noun of the Planet of the Apes trilogy, somewhat <laughs> sort of helmed by Matt Reeves, I guess. Um, but um, who directed a couple of them? Um, a really good movie and a fitting trilogy, or fitting into a to what turned out to be a surprisingly good trilogy. Yeah, I'll go ahead and give mine. Um, to start off, Lego Batman movie, which uh, was super snubbed at the Oscars. Uh, Wonder Woman is an honorable mention. I really wanted it in my top ten, but I I just couldn't because there were too many good movies. Thor Ragnarok was some of the most fun I had at the movies this year as well as Spider-Man Homecoming. So that rounds out the superhero movies. Uh, The blockbusters, (laughs) we have uh, Dunkirk, It, War for the Planet of the Apes, and Get Out, which are just all really good for their own unique ways, and I would recommend anybody see all of those movies. And then finally, um, I'm a huge fan of documentaries, and I think that uh, they don't get enough attention in these kind of lists. And so three documentaries that came out this year that I would highly recommend. First off is Trophy. It's a uh, in-depth look at the basically uh, endangered, not endangered, but threatened wildlife hunting world that happens in Africa and just like how controversial and crazy it is. Uh, the documentary Icarus about the Russian doping scandal and why you won't be seeing Russia in the Olympics for a long time to come. And that story is insane. Uh, and then Get Me Roger Stone, which basically explains how our country is falling apart right now. So <laughs> those are those are all a good watch. Awesome. I would my like to, honorable mentions. Go ahead, I, was like, I would like to jump in real quick, as I forgot to put this on my honorable mention list. Um Cameron is an iron-fisted dictator and said that we couldn't talk about TV series um, in our top 10. I did not say that. So um, I would like to throw a shout-out to Stranger Things 2, which is one of the three or four best movies that I saw this year, even though it's eight hours long. Uh, hey, Trevor, I just want you're going to gonna say be really that, mad at my list. <laughs> yes. I, I figured I did you not put say some TV I, in there, Jake. I did not say that it, it, it wasn't allowed on the list. I had said that as long as it was... Jake asked if it was like if we were allowed to put miniseries on there, which I said as long as it tells one cohesive story throughout the entire season, a la the way a movie does, I would be okay with it, but would prefer that the majority of the things on there are movies. Since I live this my own is life. A movie podcast. I'm a rebel. You can't stop me. I'm fine with your list. We spent an hour talking about this weekend on a car ride. That's true. <laughs> I said I was fine with it multiple times. Okay, all right. I'm just letting the listener know. That it's okay. Top tens. Let's go. No, I'm gonna get to my honorable mentions real quick nope. because Top you know tens. what? Here we go. <laughs> no. Now I'm gonna do my honorable mentions. Okay. Uh, okay. I, some of these films I had a very hard time not putting in my top ten. Like we've already said, it's a great year for movies. It's just a there's so many fantastic movies that came out this year. Um, Ingrid Goes West, Dunkirk, Lego Batman, Logan, It, Coco made me cry um in such a crazy way just um the songs in that are so beautiful it's such a wonderful exploration of uh dia de los muertos and family and the bonds between being remembered i i just loved it um detroit is a film that when we reviewed it i wasn't that high on it but it's a film that sat with me 
and that I've thought about a lot since then. And uh, it's incredibly powerful. It's incredibly well done. And Ian Poulter was snubbed also. He deserved, yeah, Will Poulter oh, sorry, is Will Poulter a fantastic. Deserved yeah. a, a um, Oscar nom for that, I think. Yeah. And John Boyega's great in it. Anthony Mackie's great in it. Pretty much anybody that's in it is great in it. Um, Catherine Hahn or Catherine uh, Bigelow, not Catherine Hahn. That would be interesting if she had directed that. <laughs> uh, Catherine Bigelow did a great job directing. The film that I, or then the other one is Jim and Andy, which is uh, Jim Carrey's documentary uh, about when he played Andy Kaufman uh, in Man on the Moon, which is just a fascinating look if you're somebody who grew up admiring Jim Carrey. Um, He's just a fascinating guy and to have all this behind the scenes footage. And it's pretty much just like an interview with him mixed with footage from the set. It's just fascinating. And then the film that was like, if I had a number 11 slot would be number 11 was war for the planet of the apes. And I think it just goes to show how good the movies were this year that I couldn't fit it in there because any other year, this would be a top five movie and it's incredibly emotional. It's not anything that you would expect out of a big blockbuster. And I think that throws a lot of people off at first um, in that they're expecting one thing. And yes, I don't think it's appropriately titled. I don't think it should be or for the planet of the apes. It should be like rise or dawn or any of the other two titles that they've already previously used. Uh, but it's, it's incredible. And what Andy circus is able to do with that role and what he's able to convey is just fantastic. So congrats to Andy circus, Matt Reeves, the uh, team that uh, did the CGI in the movie. Well done. But that's all we have for honorable mentions. Let's get into our top 10 movies of 2017, starting with number 10. Jake, what is your number 10 film? So mine is actually not even a film. Sorry, Trevor. This <laughs> is a TV series, um, and it is Big Little Lies. This uh, was directed by Jean-Marc Valli, David E. Kelly, and Leanne Moriarty. I think I'm saying that right. And it features Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, Zoe Kravitz, Laura Dern, Shailene Woodley, Alexander Skarsgård, Adam Scott, uh, just a just an incredible roster. And uh, this is probably the best acted show I've ever seen. It's the ultimate character study. Everyone involved just f- kills it. Um, don't let the summary or the synopsis of this show scare you away. I thought it sounded a little silly, but it is so good and it will not disappoint you and it'll have you on the edge of your seat the whole time. I mean, it is just so, so good and just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, it's deserving all the praise that it's getting and all the awards. And if if you don't have an HBO account, I would recommend at least getting like a free trial just to watch this show. It is fantastic. So that's Big Little Lies, number 10. Trevor, what is your number 10? Um, my number 10, and this is going to shock some people who know the kind of movies that I like. It is, in fact, the newest adaptation of the horror classic, It. <clears throat> wow. This. This is a film that really surprised me. Um, the, what Andy Muschietti did with this film it is, is really amazing. What this is, it's not even really a horror film. It's a, it's a film about a bunch of kids trying to figure out what's going on in their town and growing up and being brave and being tough. And it's just a great story that happens to be scary because it's a scary story. Um, and 
it just it's it's a lot of like I said it's a lot of fun it's it's it it's really um a great look at these um these kids that can kind of that as Stephen King does and as these kind of movies do show you um kind of the wisdom that that we can find from those who are younger and and not um necessarily pushing people away because they're they're younger or don't have as much experience but this was just a, a really great film that that I really enjoyed. It was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward big time to the sequel. So why? Wh- let me ask both of you guys this: Why are why are these the tenth films? What made these films or miniseries that tenth spot instead of being outside of it? Ooh. Um, I think for for me for for it, it was almost like that it was so different than anything else that I had in my top ten, um, and was something that I really really enjoyed. Um, a lot of the other things that were kind of floating around there were were great, but things I had kind of seen before. But I don't have a lot of experience with horror, much less horror that actually tells a good story. Um, so that's kind of what what stuck this one out to me. Yeah, for me with Big Little Lies, it's kind of the same thing. Like I didn't expect it at all, and I don't usually watch that kind of stuff. Um, but it was just so good, I literally could not get it out of my head. And the more I thought about it, the better it got. It originally started kind of towards the bottom of my honorable mentions and it just slowly crept creeping up there and slowly crept creeping. There we go. Uh, slowly kept (laughs) creeping up. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I just think it's, it's one of the best 10 things I saw this year. I think that's really what it comes down to. Nice. My number 10 is a film that we will talk about uh, later on the podcast. And anytime that we have a movie uh, in this podcast, we will talk about it that it's at the highest of on someone's list. So my number 10 happens to be higher up on somebody's list. And so we'll talk about it then. But my number 10 is three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. And we will talk about that film later on. Jake, what is your number nine? My number nine film is uh, Logan, starring Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart, and uh, Daphne Keene, directed by James Mangold. Uh, I mean, really, the way you can sum this up is this is Wolverine Unleashed. It does not hold back at all. Uh, This is what would happen if Wolverine was pushed to the brink, and it was like a noir western, uh, and like what actually happens when Wolverine slashes his claws through an army of people. Um, It's... It's intense, y'all, and it is really good and maybe one of the best three superhero movies of all time. So Logan really blew me away. Um, I didn't see it in the theater. I wish I did, but even still watching it at home, I mean, it was it was a very uh, intense watch experience, which I very much enjoyed. Yeah, this this is one of those films I wanted so badly to put in my top ten just because it's emotionally it's probably the most emotional superhero movie i've ever seen it's just it's great yeah it's fantastic they don't hold back and it's such a different thing than what it was advertised even yeah like i feel like what it was advertised was one thing and what you ended up getting was a completely different character piece um it's just it's it's amazing anytime there's so many big budget movies this year that just weren't what they expected that weren't, weren't at least what I expected. But when you break them down to what they are, it's like the fact that they made a big budget movie like that is just insane. Like that's, that's exciting. And that's, there's so many of those this year that we will be talking about later on. But well, l- Trevor, one, one we will last be talking- comment on Logan. Sorry. 
Um, okay. I just want to talk real quick about like how good Hugh Jackman is in this movie. Like he's played Wolverine so many times and it's definitely the character he was born to play, but this is the film he was born to play that character in. And I mean, it, he gives such a real and deep and emotional performance. Like you can tell that he was sad to leave this character. Um, and he left it, yeah. he left it all out there. I mean, and it, it's the best send off you could possibly have for a character like that. Yeah. It's, they really lean into the heavy or into the fact that this is Hugh Jackman's last performance yeah. and don't hold back whatsoever. And that's, that's amazing. So Trevor, your number nine will be talked about later on, but Trevor, what is your number nine film? Um, my number nine is baby driver. Everyone's favorite noir heist auto musical. <laughs> yeah. We will be talking about that later on the podcast. My number nine, we will also be talking about later on the podcast. My number nine is Blade Runner 2049. Uh, Mm. My number eight, we also talk about later. (laughs) And my number eight is Wind River. Jake, your number eight, we talk about later. Jake, what is your number eight? Uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi. All righty. And then the only number eight that we don't talk about later, Trevor. Okay. This is... um everyone's favorite group of misfit space crime fighters, the guardians of the galaxy. Um, the second time that we get to see them on screen, um, as we talked about, didn't quite live up to the first one, but still a ton of fun. Um, a very kind of bizarrely intimate, intimate film, um, at least in scale. Um, but, but still a lot of fun. We get to see, you know, the, the great, um, Chris Pratt is star Lord, Zoe Saldana, um, Bradley Cooper doing the voice work for Rocket is amazing. Um, the whole thing is a ton of fun. The way that James Gunn uses the music in this film is perfect. Um, breaking out of a prison scene to the sounds of Fleetwood Mac, the chain um, is is sublime. Um, this is just um, yet another installment of of what's you know, we've talked about it at length and so has everyone. It's such a surprisingly fun couple of movies with a relatively unknown cast of characters that have fit in that I think are gonna fit into the rest of the Marvel universe quite nicely. Nice. Yeah, that's yeah. Marvel, good job. We already said that this year, so um Jake, what is your number seven film? My number seven is something that Trevor had on his, I think, honorable mentions, and it was Ingrid Goes West. Uh, I just saw this movie a couple days ago, and I cannot stop thinking about it. It is amazing. Uh, It's directed by Matt Spicer and stars Aubrey Plaza, Elizabeth Olsen, and O'Shea Jackson. Um, And this movie is basically just like a short and sweet dark comedy that holds a gigantic mirror up to the viewer into our society. And the best way I can sum up this movie is that I'm really uncomfortable, but in a really good way. Um, <laughs> I, like I had is, to pause this movie like a multiple Black times. Episode. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's so uncomfortable, but so realistic. Um, it's fantastic, and it's... Yeah, I mean, it's just, like, so spot on. There were so many times where I was like, that is... That that really happens. That's a thing. This it's is a, ridiculous. What is our world coming to? It's a great companion piece to the social network in a bizarre yes. way. Yes, definitely. Yeah. It's it's almost it's almost like the Instagram version of social network. 
Um, yeah. And I would really recommend it. It's You can watch it on Hulu right now, and I'm sure you can rent it in other places, but Ingrid Goes West, fantastic movie that really blew me away, uh, and I just absolutely loved. It may also be one of the most, like, I'm curious how many millennials will watch this and be like, yeah, that's totally not true. Like, nothing like that ever happens. And are I in denial about the truth of this movie. My f- That's my favorite thing about this is, like, since I've watched it, I've been very aware anytime I look at Instagram. Yes, definitely. It, it just, like, really makes you present and think about, like just how you interact with people on social media and, and what is social media? Why do we do this? Like, what is the point? <laughs> um, yeah, it's really, the, really good. I think the Check most, the most jarring part of this movie was at the very beginning when she scrolls through and likes every picture on her feed. Yeah. It was just like, yeah. cause people do what? that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, it gave me anxiety multiple times. <laughs> Just from watching, like it's one of those movies where you just watch uncomfortable thing after uncomfortable thing happen, and the reason why it's so uncomfortable is because so much of it is real. Like, I've heard of things like that happen, and things like that that I haven't heard of, I could easily picture happening, and know people that might do things like that. So... That's number seven. Uh, Trevor, we will talk about your number seven later, but Trevor, what is your number seven? Uh, my number seven is Star Wars The Last Jedi. Yes, we will be getting to that later on. My number seven is the film that made me weep uncontrollably for 20 minutes as I drove home from the movie theater, and that is Only the Brave. <laughs> as Trevor talked about, it's the best mustache movie of the year. No question. Uh, it's it's so good, and it doesn't even matter that Miles Teller is in it. It's still good. Wow. Uh, wow. Dang. Guys, that is wow. But I will say that's balanced out by the fact that you also have Taylor Kish in here. Luckily, we just got to celebrate Taylor Kish Day. So congrats, <laughs> Wait, Taylor Kish. I missed that. I didn't yeah, know oh, that sorry. Not Taylor Kish Day. Tim Riggins Day. Sorry. I, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I celebrated right. Tim Riggins Day. Okay, yeah, sorry. I uh, Texas Forever, y'all. Texas Forever. Texas Forever. Um, Only the Brave is a... So this is where I end up saying, like, this is, my, why, this is why this is my favorite movie of the list. If I was to say it's the best movies, I don't think Only the Brave is one of the best movies I've seen this year. I know it's one of the best. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I recognize that there are plenty of faults in this movie. But as far as movies that I just emotionally connected to and just enjoyed watching from beginning to end. Maybe not enjoyed. Cause that's a lot of sad things happen. Um, but just fell in love with these characters, felt like they were your friends, respected the brotherhood they have. It was just a movie where from beginning to end, I was entertained by what I saw on screen in a way that I hadn't been in any other movie. I, I was so, overjoyed by these characters and the friendships and what they stood for as men that I was able to put aside any sort of critical hat I had and just be like, look, I just enjoyed that movie. Like that was just a good movie that had something to say, said it and was just good to, uh, was just good to watch. It's, I'm just happy that it got made and I'm happy there were all those mustaches. (laughs) 
Um, but that's my number seven, Only the Brave. Number six, Jake, what is your number six film? My number six is I, Tanya, uh, directed by Craig Gillespie, starring Margot Robbie, Sebastian Stan, Allison Janney, and Paul Walter Hauser. We literally just reviewed this movie, so go listen to the review if you want my full thoughts. But basically, I love this movie. It's fantastic. Margot Robbie and Allison Janney are so deserving of all the praise they're receiving, and I would be fine with either of them or even both of them winning their categories at the Oscars. Um, for a while, I had this at like number two on my list, uh, and I unfortunately, after some more level-headed thinking, uh, <laughs> brought it brought it down. But this movie is so so good, guys, and um, it, it's an A plus. It's by far one of the best films of the year, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, I, Tanya is just fantastic. Go check it out. No, that is I, Tanya, And yeah, if we were to rank acting performances uh, throughout an overall movie, I think I, Tanya would definitely be a top three because it's just everybody's good. Um, but Trevor, what is your number six, even though we will talk about it later? Uh, my number six is The Big Sick, which I could talk about. A whole lot and actually it probably should be higher i don't want to change your calculations yeah. but it should be like three or four on my list actually oh, trevor <laughs> <laughs> Oops. um yeah that's uh the big sick and we will be talking about that uh in a little bit here but my number six is get out the fantastic directorial debut from jordan peele it it shocks me that this is as high as it made it on my list at number six, because it's just an amazing film from beginning to end. Everything about it is like amazing. Like Jordan Peele did a great job from the casting and the acting to the choices that he makes story-wise to the social commentary, to the mix of horror and comedy and, I am fine if this film wins Best Picture. Uh, I, I have a feeling we'll be talking about that here in a little bit um, as far as what where the Best Picture race might stand, but with some other films. But I think out of all the films that have a chance, this is one of the best films I saw. And the interesting thing is that I saw this movie back in February when it came out. And ever since then, I've been comparing everything I saw to this movie. Like, was it, it was good, but was it get out good? Is it that good? Uh, it was, it was amazing. And I'm just, I'm so happy to have a fresh voice, uh, in the industry like Jordan Peele. And yeah, what's crazy is like any other year, this probably would have been like number one or two on my list and it didn't even make my top 10. Like that's how good 2017 was. And I think, we're forgetting how great of a year this was. It's a fantastic year. Like any, I think the top five on my list are kind of set. Like those five were like, that's where I'm, I'm very confident in those being there, but five through 15 could have been any number of films or six through 15 could have been any number of films. And it's just a great year, but this is a film that I just, I kept revisiting throughout the year as like, man, that was so good. And comparing everything else I saw to it. And part of it is just the experience that I had in the theater watching it, um, getting to sit there and 
have this movie just kind of parts of it just dawn upon you as you watch it and get to share that with a crowd of like other people experiencing that is just, it was such a fun experience watching it. And I think I've watched it two times since then. Um, and it was both times still just as good. It's it. I'm excited to see Daniel Kaluuya in black Panther. I think he's got a bright future. I think, um, Allison Williams is terrifying. William Bra- uh, Bradford, is that his name? William Bradley, guy from West Wing, Billy Madison. Uh, he's sure. terrifying. Catherine Keener is terrifying. It's, gosh, it's just such a great film. And I'm so happy that it got nominated because it deserves it. But even more so than that, I'm happy um, the effect that it had on society because I can't think of another film this year that had more people talking about um, racial issues and talking um, and making kind of self-realizations on things. And I think that's probably one of the more powerful things of the film is what it has to say and the effect that it had on people and conversations that were had. So let's get out at number six. Number five, Jake, what is your number five? Mine is Stranger Things season two, uh, created by the Duffer brothers and starring all of the best children actors in Hollywood. Um, <laughs> I mean, which is true. Yeah. What can you say about stranger things that hasn't already been said? I mean, it's, it's the best show. It's just the best. Like everyone involved just kills it, especially the kids. The kids are so good. Um, the only reason it's, it's lower on my list than number one is because of the Chicago episode, which kind of came out of nowhere, kind of buzzkill. We talked about it in our full review. Other than that, though, it's perfect. The story, the performance, the the score. This is the best score of the year. Oh man! Um, the cinematography, the twists. I mean, it's just, it's, it's the best. I mean, it's it's the one of the five best movies I watched this year, and it was nine hours long. I mean, right? What better thing could you say? Uh, do you guys have anything to add? Yeah, it's it's. I didn't like. I like. I we kind of joked about it earlier. I decided not to put it on my list. Um, but it would be in the top five if I was going to compare it to some of these. Um, the shocking thing about Stranger Things is it's it's done the impossible in an age of fragmented media. It's the thing that everyone likes. Um, and we talked yeah. about this at length. Um, and and even 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 more specific, everyone likes. Um. Gaten Maserato, Matarazzo, <laughs> whatever. He's, a, he's everyone's favorite person because how could he not be? Um, what the Duffer brothers have done here, um, especially after an, ish, an initial season that maybe didn't even need a second season, that was just a great story in and of itself, and where they continued it and made something worthy of that first season um, has been incredibly impressive. Super excited where it's going to go from here. My expectations are literally as high as they could possibly be um for season three but yeah stranger things two and just incredible but i think that's also the amazing thing about stranger things season two is it wraps up everything from season one gives us a compelling season and then also is kind of like look we can go anywhere with season three like they can go back to the upside down they can deal with the mind flayer they can deal with kali and all the other uh experiments or kids from that program i mean there's an infinite number of places they can go and all of them are exciting. And honestly, I I'm done even like trying to figure out where they're going to go because at this point it doesn't matter. It's going to be enjoyable. 
I think if we're ranking like our favorite things that we like favorite pieces of media or favorite like just overall things, this is like a top I'm looking at my top ten, but I'm like, this is a top three probably for me. Yeah. Easily. Yeah, top three. It would be number three. So but yeah, that's Jake's number five, Stranger Things. Trevor, what is your number five? Um, my number five is a movie that I consider to be a technical masterpiece, um, and it is Christopher Nolan's latest, Dunkirk. Um, this film, the, and it has its shortcomings. Um, Christopher Nolan still obsessed with time and doing weird things with time, and maybe didn't need it in this film. But besides that, the the visuals in this film, the sound in this film the way that it tells a, a giant story by telling these small stories without really getting us intertwined into characters too much. Um, I know some people didn't like it, but I think it works for this film. Um, there are some great singular acting performances, um, especially by um, Kenneth Branagh, who I, I love all the time. Um, but this and Tom Hardy, once again, asked, asked to act without using half of his face by Christopher Nolan. Um, it, it's, Which is the Christopher Nolan Tom Hardy special at this point, right? Yeah, it's it's definitely a thing <laughs> at this point. Yeah, I would not be surprised if this came out of someone losing to someone in a poker game or something. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, Dunkirk is it's the loudest movie I've ever seen, which is like a weird distinction. But if you haven't seen it, um, you don't really understand. If you have, you do. Um, it's it's just beautiful. It's a it's a film that you could spend an entire semester in a class dissecting the the technical aspects of it, and it's incredibly impressive for it. Yeah, Jake, I'm curious why this wasn't on your top ten. I mean, I, I have a reason. I'm curious if yours is the same. Um, I mean, we talked about it at length in our review. I think as much of a technical masterpiece as it is. For me, it was a letdown in terms of a narrative, which Christopher Nolan is generally known for. Um, I think he let the way he told the story get in the way of telling the story, which is also a very Christopher Nolan-y thing. Um, But, I mean, it is fantastic. Like, it is very well done. Some of the best cinematography we saw all year. Um, And, I mean, like, like Trevor said, probably one of the most powerful movie going theater experiences I had. I mean, it's just the sound just hits you so hard. Um, so I expect this to win a lot of technical Oscars and it deserves them, but I, I just, I have really high expectations for Christopher Nolan. And for me, it, he just didn't hit them. Yeah. I think the thing that like, kept this off my list is just the emotional attachment to characters. Um, I think Christopher Nolan has been commonly criticized for being a little bit too cold with his characters. I think this movie is the perfect example of that, but boy, if I wasn't entertained by what I watched on screen for an hour and a half, I mean, it was the most action packed hour and a half I've seen. And like Trevor said, it's, it's riveting to kind of see how he weaves these three stories together. And also surprisingly, the part of this movie that I thought would be the worst Harry styles was actually a pretty welcome addition. Yeah, he was good. good. I was pretty shocked by that. So that's Trevor's number five Dunkirk. My number five also happens to be Trevor's number four, 
which is a perfect way for us to both now talk about the best Marvel movie this year, Spider-Man Homecoming. Trevor, why is this movie at number four? For I you? agree that it is the best Marvel movie this year. One of probably the three or four best of all. Um, it's great because one, as you mentioned earlier, someone finally nailed Spider-Man on screen, um, mostly by actually hiring a teenager to play him, which is, <laughs> you know, a good first step. Um, Tom Holland is amazing though. Um, Michael Keaton, um, the, the Keaton-assance, is that what we say? Um, <laughs> still in full effect. He was fantastic. Um, it's, I love high school movies. This is a high school movie in which the protagonist happens to be a superhero, not a superhero movie about a kid in high school. Um, the, the work that Robert Downey Jr. does in this is great. Um, the whole storyline, just everything about this. Um, there's a kind of a pretty good twist that kind of knocks your socks off a little bit. Um, this is just a really fun, a really fun, just great example of what Spider-Man can be and what a comic book movie can be. It doesn't have to be ridiculous, huge, over-the-top action with giant stakes. You can tell a comic book superhero story with, with intimate, with an intimate scale and just kind of sweet teenage kids just trying to get by. Yeah, it's a John Hughes movie set in the Marvel universe that, for a movie that's hyped up about being so much about Spider-Man, has maybe the greatest villain in a movie this year. Uh, and Michael Keaton's the vulture and the twist that comes in the movie is just, I didn't see coming. And the, I think this is the movie that came out this year that I've watched the most since it came out on DVD. I've probably watched it like three or four more times and it's every time still a joy. I mean, they nailed Spider-Man with Tom Holland and, uh, it's fascinating how right they got this character for the character that we've always wanted to see. Um, at least for me, Spider-Man was always a high school kid. Maybe that's because I was really into Spider-Man when I was high school, when I was in high school. And so that's the time I connected to him. Um, but man, it's just, it's so exciting to have this character be a part of this universe because he's such a difference from every other superhero movie. I mean, he's a kid compared to these 30, 40 year old actors. Um, who are all grownups and it just provides such a breath of fresh air that wasn't there before. And it's, it's, it's easily the best time or one of the best times that I had at the movies. I mean, beginning to end, there was a smile on my face the entire time. And I remember walking out and this was a film that I think was pretty low on my list. And then as I was talking about my list with my wife, she was like, no, you really loved that movie like that. That deserves to be that needs to be higher because you couldn't stop talking about that movie when it first came out. And I mean, it's true. It's it's just a delight beginning to end. It's just so much fun. And I can't say enough positive things about the actors, the characters, the story, the villain. Everything about it is just great. Special shout out to Jacob Batalon as Ned, the guy in the chair. It's <laughs> just yes. a pure delight. Ned and everybody else in that movie. <laughs> the only bad thing about that movie is the fact that they say eight years later at the beginning, and that doesn't match up with the timeline. There's some, there's that's, some time that still bothers me. This yeah, is weird. the yes. darkest timeline though. Yes. To quote the greatest actor of all time, Danny Pudi, AKA 
Abed. <laughs> the greatest actor of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Who has popped up in the Marvel Cinematic Universe before. That's true. He has. He was in Winter Soldier. <laughs> so, alrighty, Jake. That was my number five. Trevor's number four. Spider-Man Homecoming. Jake, what is your number four? Do you want to do your number four? We will talk about it later. You do your number four. I, okay, my number four is a film that we have not talked about at all. Uh, it's called Brad Status. It's directed by Mike White, who wrote and starred in School of Rock. He was uh, Ned Schneebler. <laughs> Uh, and he wrote, directed this movie. It's man, did I just connect with this movie on so many different levels? Like as a dad, um, as a friend, as a human, there's just so many things that Brad Ben Stiller's character goes through in this movie that resonated with me on such a deep level in life. Uh, when you compare yourself to people, the pride that you put in your kids and possibly like the negative pressure that you sometimes put on them, but just the hope and joy that you get out of your kids. Um, I can't say it enough, but being a dad has been one of the greatest things that I've done in the past year. Um, since my son was born in December of 2016 and you know, this was 2017 was really his first year. Um, it's just been the greatest joy. And I just, I connect with so many different things in this movie that I can't say enough positive things about it without giving away so much of the movie because so much of it just has to do with what Ben Stiller is going through uh, as a, as a person in this movie and just the emotions. And there's a lot of times where he, you know, is doing voiceover, which is, a very common no-no in movies, but it's just meant to give us such a glimpse into his head and where he's at in life and what he's thinking and processing. And it's so much just about what he thinks and feels at this time in his life and looking back on his life in college to now as his son is getting ready to go to college. So yeah, I, I can't recommend it enough. It's a great film. It's a great, uh, it has a great cast. Jenna Fisher's in it. Uh, ben Stiller plays the lead. Um, but the kid who plays his son, um, Austin Abrams, uh, is great in this. And I can't really think of anything else that he's really been in. He was supposedly in Kings of Summer, but I don't remember him in that movie. Um, and he, There's a couple of other things that he was in, but nothing really big. Um, Jermaine Clement, Luke Wilson, Michael Sheen. It's... Uh, it's great, and I can't recommend it enough. It's on... I think you can rent it like on iTunes or Amazon. But yeah, that's my number four. Jake, your number four we'll talk about in a bit, but why don't you go ahead and... Yeah, it is, uh, it is. Blade Runner 2049. It was number one and number two for a brief moment, but it got put down to number four. And earlier today, it was number three. Yeah, so it's it's been through a ringer. <laughs> uh-huh. But Blade, for, Blade Runner 2049, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about it. In a little bit. Before we get to your top three, why in your like why did this keep coming coming down on your list or going up on your list? Uh, depending on which way you look at it. You know, specifically Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, specific, why is like 
maybe not talk about like the movie, but like why is like why did this film kind of fall on your list? Yeah. So, I mean, kind of how you guys have said, like the top five have been the top five for a while. Um, but it just kind of depends on which one I'm really thinking about at the moment, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> but also I feel like today was really the first time that I had at least a chance to write out thoughts about all of these movies because one of which I just saw yesterday. Um, and I, you know, you just kind of weigh what's sticking with you, what's saying the most powerful message, what's technically the best, what, and, and while Blade Runner 2049 is, I think technically the best film of the year. Um, there were just other films that had stronger messages that were more lasting, uh, or more entertaining to me. So it just didn't quite make the top three. Yeah, I get you. Trevor, we are now getting into our top three and maybe the most shocking film in the entire list is Trevor's number three. So Trevor, what is your number three? I already briefly mentioned this because of what a shocking delight this film was, but it is Wonder Woman. And I maybe got a little overzealous. It maybe shouldn't be quite this high, <laughs> but but this nope, is just... This is, you have to stick with this the rest of your life. What Patty Jenkins... The, the combination of what Patty Jenkins does and what Gal Gadot does here is just, it's just wonderful. This, especially considering um, where the DC movies had been, um, this is just a breath of fresh air. This is a, a character and a story that is so full of life. Um, it's so, it's so positive. It's so uplifting um, without being cheesy or ridiculous. It hits all the perfect notes. It's paced just right. It's funny. It's exciting. It's a little bit surprising. Um, it's got um, a legitimate superhero love story of which there are so very few. Um, and it's just it's just so wonderful. Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman, was meant to be Wonder Woman, has always meant to be Wonder Woman. Um, maybe just is in as much as any other superhero character fits who plays them. Um, it, it's just, I, I just loved this movie. Yeah. It's, uh, I will say that this, um, things that we loved this year, I should have probably put the, uh, no man's land scene oh, yeah. from this movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's because, uh, that's the, that's man. the height of the medium. That's what film does. Yeah. That scene like still just thinking about it kind of gives me goosebumps what that scene means. And this is another film that's, it's it's hard to be objective about because it had such a cultural impact. Um, it's the first female superhero, not the first female superhero movie. Cause there's been films like Electra or Catwoman, but the first major, I feel like those, those um, don't count as movies. We don't talk about those. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that Halle Berry and Jennifer Garner would prefer to for us to keep it that way as well. Um, but that no man's land scene is just incredible. And what this movie I think means for a lot of women and for a lot of um, just people in general is incredible. And I don't think that any of us can take that away because it's just, this movie was such a cultural icon and, I think it had the lowest drop from weekend one to weekend two of the year. Like I think it retained like 65%. 
which is just that's because everyone that saw it everyone that saw it told everyone they knew to go see it yeah because yeah it was awesome the kind of what just kind of go back what you were saying jake my my last thing on wonder woman when you're talking about like the message and the themes of movies the theme of this movie to be better than you think you can be um is really what resonates with me and, and what this character brings yeah I had Wonder Woman at my number nine. Uh, I I think it's the best superhero movie of the year besides Logan. Um, But I don't know if you can classify Logan as a superhero (laughs) movie. Um, And if it wasn't for seeing uh, what will be my number two film and Ingrid Goes West, this would have been on my top 10. And I mean, just go listen to that review um, that we did because... I'm with you guys. I, I love this movie. Gal Gadot is incredible. Patty Jenkins does an amazing job with this character and basically single-handedly saving the DC universe. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's this is the movie we needed this year. And it was uh, very, very good. Very well done. Yeah. I still have my problems with this movie. I think the third act still kind of falters. And overall, David Thewlis's character, I think he was miscast in that role. Um, I'll say I'm, I, I, my, 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 my daughter that was just born three weeks ago. I'm excited to show her this when she's way too young to see it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's, I think that's one of my favorite parts about this movie is that you have little girls who are, you know, running around dressing up as wonder woman, just all the stories that came out, um, around little girls finally having a, a superhero that they can look up to and, um, connect with instead of constant uh, Kim Kardashian Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl yes Yes. I I said Kim Kardashian but yeah Felicia Silverstone yeah we'll go with that (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that time that Kim Kardashian played a super I just mean she's like the the pop culture epitome of what a woman is which is BS Uh, so yeah it's awesome that Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman and that we have that now it's it's pretty awesome and to think that Gal Gadot almost quit acting before being cast in this role, like she's she's what makes this movie. She is fantastic, beginning to end in this movie. Yeah. Um, Jake, uh, your number three will be talked about later, but why don't you go ahead and tell us what your number three is? Number three is Baby Driver, uh, and I'm I'm excited to talk about that because that movie is amazing. Yeah, buddy. My number three is a film that Trevor had at his number six. And that is The Big Sick, which is just a revelation of a movie. And I don't use that lightly. I don't mean that in... It's the first romantic comedy that's actually good in maybe like since Crazy Stupid Love, which I think came out almost seven years ago. It's it's shocking the amount of things that this movie reveals um, from a standpoint of love to comedy to a completely different culture. Uh, And I think it's even more powerful from the fact that it's, it's the real story of Kumail Nanjiani and Emily Gordon's relationship and how they fell in love. And that's just, that's incredibly powerful to think that, you know, this is actually what they went through. Not to mention, two of maybe the most shocking performances of the year in Holly Hunter and Ray Romano. Uh, 
Holly Hunter is terrifying, but at the same time, completely like you connect to her and you understand where she's at. And Ray Romano is just, let's face it. Everybody loves Raymond. He's just fantastic. (laughs) Oh, hey, oh, Trevor, why, what do you love about this movie? This, I, I, this is going to be kind of bizarre. It's sort of the same, some of the same reasons that I love Wonder Woman is I love the big sick. It's just so full of life. It's so optimistic. Um, it's just, it's just real people trying to do the best they can. Um, buoyed by wonderful performances. Um, Kumail Nanjani playing himself, which is gotta be harder than it seems like it is. Um, Mm-hmm. It, it outside it seems easy but i don't think it is um ray romano who if anyone has seen parenthood or some of his other things knows that he's way more than just a four camera sitcom guy from the 90s um holly hunter like you said great um this this movie it just it has something for everyone it touches everyone's hearts like if if you just need to see this movie everyone needs to watch this movie um yeah figure out get on amazon prime get a free trial or something, watch this movie. It will bring so much joy in life to your heart. And yeah, it's and hilarious. I think that's, yeah, it's hilarious. Some of the funniest jokes that I've ever, or that I've heard this year and in, in a long time, it's the hardest I've laughed in a theater in a long time. Just the connective tissues through some of the jokes too is also amazing. And, I think Trevor, you hit on the head. It's it's the theme of this movie, and it's the hope and the love, and you know, it's that feeling where Kumail feels like he's losing the person he loves, but has like a second chance almost to get that love back. And it's it's hopeful. It's and that's ultimately. <laughs> I think if you look at my top, um, gosh, every single one of my films have some sort of note of hope and redemption um, in them in that the characters in that movie have some sort of message of hope. And in a world filled with complete darkness, it's, it's movies like that that I walk out of. And I, I am like, I'm reminded of just like the fact that everybody comes from different backgrounds and that's not something to be scared of, but that's something to be celebrated and to embrace and seek out. So that was my number three, Trevor's number six, the big sick. Um, Trevor, we will talk about your number two here in just a second. So why don't you go ahead and tell us your number two? My number two is the film by Taylor Sheridan, the man who can do no wrong wind river wind river. And we will be talking about that on somebody's number one. But Jake, what is your number two, a film that I'm pretty sure you checked out very recently? Yeah, I just saw uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri yesterday, uh, directed by Martin McDonough, starring Frances McDormand, Woody Harrelson, and Sam Rockwell, uh, and a surprise appearance uh, by uh, Peter Dinklage. What up? Um, (laughs) But I have a lot to say about this movie, um, because we haven't done a review, so I'm going to give my thoughts this this movie it the i want to make this my number 1 but since i just saw it i can't but this might be the best movie i saw this year um it is so good so 
just surprising. It just like grabs you and it takes you in one direction and you're like, okay, yeah, we're going this direction. And it's like, nope, we're going this way. Um, (laughs) And it is just, it's amazing. It should be the best picture winner, in my opinion. Out of the films that were nominated, this should win best picture. It is so good, so powerful, so timely. Um, And I just want to address that there are these like, there's this backlash on the internet right now um, about how it doesn't have any commentary on race since it's talking about the police and that the black characters are just like pushed to the side as side characters. And you know what? Like does three billboards have its issues? Yes. Uh, But the accusations that have been made are a little intense and, you know, a little, a little ridiculous. Like, the commentary or controversy is focused on its lack of commentary on racism with the focus of the redemptive, the quote, redemptive character arc of Officer Jason Dixon, who's a racist cop. But like if the film takes a definitive moral stance on anything, it's anger. Like from the beginning of the film to the end, anger is consistently depicted as the source of pain and suffering. And this isn't, this isn't spoilers, but if you don't, if you want to go into this movie blind, skip ahead like twenty seconds. Um, anger throughout Three Billboards is depicted as the destructive force. It it is, it is not validating Dixon's life choices. Like, and Dixon, it he's not being redeemed by anything. Like, not of anything that he does. Not of racism, police brutality, being a terrible cop. Like his his character does develop over the course of the film, but they got, that's because it's a movie. That's how films work, guys. Um, he's he's shown to possess at least a a few good qualities because he's a he's a person. He's not a caricature, and that's what I love about this movie is that it's it's real life. Like people are mad that he's being humanized. Like why would you want to humanize a racist cop like this? Because the the answer is simple. It's because racists are humans. Like that does not make their prejudice less unacceptable. It's just that's what it is. Like it's important to at least on occasion portray the humanity of people who do terrible things. This is not because we should excuse them, but because the false belief that people cannot both be nice and be guilty of something terrible is something that has permeated our culture and is terribly incorrect. And at the end of the day, like race relations and racism isn't the focus of this movie, um, but it's it's part of it, and that's just the way it is. Like that's how it is in a small town in Missouri. Like, unfortunately, some of the racist stuff becomes a little punchline within the town. But I'm from Missouri, y'all. That's how it is. This isn't this isn't the story. You know, I think that's the frustrating thing is. This is Mildred's story. Mildred, the single mother, domestic abuse survivor that is single-handedly taking on the inept police department to avenge the death of her daughter who was brutally raped and murdered. Is that not enough? Like, yes, the torture of a black man that happened earlier, not even in the film, but just in the town at some point in time, uh, is somewhat of a punchline. But like I said, I mean, that's, that's just the truth. And so what bums me out is we are in an especially politically sensitive time right now people in the public eye tend to veer towards the safer ground and they should but one area that shouldn't be pressured to bend to the will of the people is art art and film especially 
should make people uncomfortable and make them ask themselves tough questions about their own humanity, just like this movie does. This should win the best picture. It's sad that people are up in arms about a political correctness controversy, which will probably kill the chances of this movie winning best picture when this film has the strongest political commentary on our society. And instead the Academy is going to reward a film about a woman that has sex with a fish. End of rant. Three billboards is amazing. Go see it. (laughs) Yeah. I had three billboards at number 10 on my list and I completely agree with everything Jake said. It's a, it's an amazing film. It's an amazing script. And Frances McDormand gives maybe the best performance of her life in this role. And that's a lot when she has won Academy Awards for other roles such as, I'm pretty sure she won an Academy Award for Fargo. Yeah. Um, she is very close to winning an EGOT, considering that the only thing that she needs is a Grammy. She has an Academy Award, a Tony, and an Emmy. Get on that spoken word. And this word. is maybe the best thing that she's done. Get on that spoken word. Um, it's not to mention Caleb Landry Jones between this and Get Out is having a great year as well. When in this movie has Red Welby, uh, Sam Rockwell continues to be one of the most underrated actors working today, which amazes me that after all these all, all this time and things like Moon and um, the Way Way Back and so many other things that he still continues to be as underrated as he is. He's just fantastic. Um, yeah, Martin McDonough, you know, I, this is a movie, I think I might've, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast or not. I, I saw this movie in December when it came out and at first I was like, yeah, that was good. And it was one of those things that as I thought about it more and more, it sat with me and I was like, the, it's just so powerful. And the ending of it is not at all what you expect. No. And that's one of the best parts is just kind of where it's hard to talk about without talking. It's amazing about the just ending. Go see it. It's, yeah. I think it might be the best movie of the year. So yeah. while Jake so, was doing his that, rant, I stopped listening because I have not seen it. And I learned <laughs> two things. I learned two things. One is that I had not realized this or put it all together, but the boss baby was nominated for an Academy Award while the <laughs> Lego Batman movie was not. Yes. The the yes. Lego Batman movie is the best pop culture homage I've ever seen. Um which it's what it is. It's not even really a story. It's just like here, look at all of these memorabilia of Batman from all time. Other thing and Not even Batman, but so many other things too. Right. The other thing I learned is that Taco Bell now has $1 nacho fries. So <laughs> Trevor, I'm so glad that you uh, <laughs> were just staying. Was, was the rant that boring? I'm, I'm sorry. I just have a lot no, of feelings. I, just, I mean, I was clicking around IMDb and it was the ad on one of the pages. Oh, good. Jake, I don't think your rant was boring. I think what Trevor's just trying to say is that he didn't want to have the film ruined good. or he didn't want to know anything about it without right. having seen so it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Taco Bell. I'm going to buy some <laughs> nacho fries and I'm going to head sneak them into my local Starplex and see three billboards. Uh, you're, there you uh, go. That's that's amazing. Um, my number two, any normal year would be to my number one, but this isn't a normal year. It's it's Star Wars: The Last Jedi, and 
I can't say enough how happy I am that this movie got made. It's maybe not the Star Wars film that everybody wanted, but it's the Star Wars film that everybody needed. It is the Dark Knight of Star Wars movies. It is, in my opinion, the best Star Wars movie that's been made to date. And yes, I am saying that having fully recognized that in our top 10 all-time movies, my number two favorite film of all time was Star Wars A New Hope. I fully recognize that. I think this movie is incredible. The twists, the plot, the message, the hope in it. It's, I can't say enough that what they did in this movie and what Ryan Johnson was able to do as a director is all I could ever want in a Star Wars film. It's, it's amazing. I I don't understand the people out there who don't like it, and I feel like every time somebody has a complaint about this movie, it's some little ticky-tack little thing that can easily be defended and disputed, and that people that don't like this movie don't like it. One, because there's a female in the lead. Two, uh, they feel like Luke isn't the Luke that they got from their original star Wars, which if you go back and watch that original trilogy, it is very much the exact same Luke. Um, maybe you didn't like the jokes, go watch the original trilogy. There's plenty of jokes that are even cheesier than the jokes in this movie. Laugh it up. And there you go. What's this walking carpet? Move this walking carpet there. Chewie is constantly joked upon in the series. And I, I, I will give people, I will concede that the Canto Bite scenes may not be for everybody, but I think what the Canto Bite scenes is reveal something that Star Wars has never done before and kind of pulled back the curtain that this whole universe isn't at war and there are people profit, profiting off of this. There are people who this war isn't affecting whatsoever except in a they're making money off of it kind of way. And it's it's a scene that, does something that Star Wars has never done before, which is comment on the war with inside the larger universe. And that's, I, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't have anything negative to say about this movie. It's a amazing Star Wars film that gives us incredibly powerful character moments. It gives us brand new uh, moments. If you're into like the mythos of the universe, there's, so many cool things done with the force. There's so many, um, it's maybe one of the, maybe the best action scene in a star Wars movie to date, uh, in the Praetorian guard scene in the chain in Snoke's chamber room. And I'm just so happy, uh, with this film. It's, it's incredible. Uh, Jake, this is number seven for you and Trevor, Trevor, this was number seven for you and Jake, this was number eight. Jake, what number? Number eight, yeah. So, oh, I but I who is said, Snoke? Why don't we know about Snoke? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody cares. Yeah, it's uh, it's Star it's, Wars. Of course, it's on my top ten, and I don't, I don't get the hate of this movie either. It's definitely not perfect, but it takes the series in the direction it needs to go, and I love the way that it just literally is just a giant middle finger to all the fanboys that have been writing their own Star Wars fan fiction or, and are upset. That's not what Disney's going to use to write their movies. Um, it's what needed to happen. Yeah, yeah. 
and I can't believe that Disney did it, but I'm so happy they did, and I can't wait for uh, episode nine. Ryan Johnson is not the hero we deserve, but he's the one that we needed right now. <laughs> Very and, true. And, like, major props. I know I, I end up talking about her all the time, but Kathleen Kennedy is one of the best people at her job in the whole entire world. Yep. Um, yes. And for for her to have the vision to get someone like Ryan Johnson, allow them to do what they wanted to, um, because knowing, I mean, knowing who Ryan Johnson is, he said it himself, he is a Star Wars fanboy. Um, when yep. you hire someone like that, they're going to be true to the series because it's... I mean, just like all of us, like Star Wars is movies. I mean, it is this, this is it. This is, this is the granddaddy of them all when it comes to film franchises. Star Wars is the blockbuster franchise. It's, it's the whole thing. It's everything that you want a movie to be. And this kind of blew the whole universe open, um, to, for, and what what makes me really mad to get too specific for a second is the people that got mad that episode seven was too similar to the other ones and then got mad that this was too different. You can't yes. you there. I've heard so much of that and you can't have it both ways. They were both awesome in their own way. Seven did what it needed to. It played the role it needed to play in the universe. Um, and then what Ryan Johnson did with last Jedi with eight is just absolutely amazing we've talked about a couple of the great moments already um some of the wonderful things here we we meet even more new characters who we love um this is just in a a great film a wonderful fun astounding film and i'm gonna get a little bit spoilery so if you haven't seen star wars last jedi skip ahead like 30 seconds all right ready spoilers the fact that ray's parents are no one is not just a great choice as far as like a we don't need to tie her to anything and any character, any family or any lineage, but it's a great choice for what it does for the universe. When Star Wars first started out, it was all about a boy who was living on a moisture farm on Tatooine who ends up saving the galaxy. He was a nobody. And it wasn't until the second movie that we find out that he's Darth Vader's son. But this movie brings it back to the fact that you don't have to be from a famous family with a lineage and bloodline as noble as the Skywalkers to be somebody, but anybody can be that pivotal person in, in, in a war, in a moment. And it kind of just comments on the fact that it's like, it's not necessarily about who you are, but it's about what you do and what you're willing to do for those that you love. And it has my favorite quote of the year. You know, we're not going to win destroying what we hate but fighting for what we love and i just that's a quote that i've like is just such a amazing quote for where we are at in the world today and i wish more people could see the film for the amazingness that it is so that's my number two uh star wars last jedi but now we are at number one no more we'll talk about this film later we're here let's do it and uh, Jake, why don't you go ahead and give us your number one film of 2017? My number one is uh, by, I think, a for sure future honorable mensch and probably my favorite writer-director in Hollywood right now, Taylor Sheridan, and it is Wind River, starring Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen. And this movie 
Holy crap. When it when it comes to like really heavy drama films, there's usually a lot left on the table or like that you want for it to be like tied up all the loose ends at the end and and they rarely leave the audience completely satisfied satisfied. But Wind River, it it accomplishes everything it sets out to do. This movie grabs you from the moment it starts and demands your attention. It's so hard to watch in the best way. It addresses some serious problems in this world and does not hold back. When it could have maybe pulled it back to be a little bit easier for the viewer to take in, it presses in even harder and just like really, really is a powerful, hard movie to watch, but it's something that everyone should watch. Um, And it's just done so well, so, so well. Um, this is the epitome of a slow burn. I mean, the first two acts, it's a slow burn, but it goes by so fast because it's just such perfect writing and filmmaking. And the third act is so satisfying. Um, Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen turn out probably the best performances of both of their careers. Uh, and I mean, basically in the end, Wind River delivers the whole package in terms of storytelling, pacing, satisfying conclusion. It's it's just it's its own thing. It stands alone. It is what it is. Um, it's it's so unique. Um, I literally have no complaints about this movie. It stayed with me from the moment the credits began to roll, and has only grown on me even more. Uh, I can't stop thinking about this movie. And basically, Taylor Sheridan can do no wrong, in my opinion. Um, I this is my favorite movie of the year. Uh, I think it was incredibly snubbed at the Oscars, and I, I would say this or Three Billboards are the best picture uh, winners, in my opinion. So yeah, Wind River. Trevor, I know you also had this on your top 10. Anything to add? Yeah, this is, this is my number two. Um, Wind River is just an astounding work. Um, the the vision that Taylor Sheridan shows here is just remarkable. He does everything he wants to do. It comes across just the way it should. Um, it tells an important story, a riveting story. Um, something that Sheridan does a great job in his films of is bringing you into this this sense of reality in which nothing is off limits, and you will you can literally expect anything to happen. Um, he's not afraid to, to kill main characters. He's not afraid, um, for completely unexpected things to happen. Um, just what he does with this is astounding. Um, I agree about Elizabeth Olsen and Jeremy Renner, both fantastic. This is, as I said, an important film with a, um, that I hope has been able to, to shine a light on some, some issues in our world that are, that are not as well known. Um, definitely something worth seeing for just about anyone. I can't believe this was not nominated for best picture. That blows my mind. I know. Um, this is, it's a, it's a masterpiece of storytelling. Um, it is like you said, a slow burn, but, it, but a incredibly intriguing one, one that sucks you in by the characters and their performances. Um, yeah, this is, this is just a truly amazing film. I would recommend you check out our episode on it. If you enjoy or if you have any interest in this movie or have watched it, because we we go deep into this movie and it's fantastic. 
Yeah, it was uh, Trevor's number two, my number uh, eight. And yeah, I'll just echo everything you guys say, said. And I teeter back in every other movie, uh, whether or not Jeremy Renner is a good actor or not. <laughs> but this is one of those movies where I'm like, wow, Jeremy Renner, Jeremy Renner is an incredible actor. Yeah. This, this and, and Hurt Locker, uh, I think, show what he can do. Yeah, and... Uh, well, you guys have already talked about Taylor Sheridan, but I mean, closing out his American Frontier trilogy of Sicario, Hell or High Water, and this—you know—he's what an incredible trilogy, and just well done to him, and well done to the cast and everybody in this movie because it's uh, it's it's pretty great, yeah. So, Trevor, what is your number one film of 2017? My number one film is Blade Runner 2049 which might be the greatest sequel of all time mm. um, mm. is a, the second movie this year that I would consider to be just a technical masterpiece. Um, the way that, that Viena and Deacons work together to tell this story is just absolutely astounding. The shots in this film are huge when they need to be huge. They're intimate when they need to be intimate. Um, what Hampton Fancher does with the script and the story expanding on his original Blade Runner, um, bringing so much depth to this story, this universe, um, so much so that I want, you know, and I think we talked about this during our podcast of this, but like an, an endless series of movies sit, set in the Blade Runner universe all throughout any period of time, including any characters whatsoever. <laughs> um, because it's just, there's just so much depth to this, um, to this story. And, and, and once again, another film that similar to star Wars takes this main question that everyone has asked about the ones, the movies before it and says, it doesn't even matter because that's not what the story is. Mm-hmm. Um, and what Ryan Gosling does in this, what Harrison Ford does in this, um, Robin Wright is great in it. I mean, the it's 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 Vian away at his best. It's Deacons at his best. It's visually stunning. the The set pieces, um, the the technical aspects of this, what they do with some practical effects and miniatures. There's these huge establishing shots that act as these transitions and these kind of times to digest what's going on and it it brings this kind of slow um deliberate pacing to this film and it's just it's just beautiful an absolute masterpiece yeah i had this at number four uh once again i'll echo trevor this is a technical masterpiece that is a treat for any fan of cinema and especially sci-fi uh this film is basically my all-star cast and crew everyone kills it uh, I love good sci-fi, and this is the best sci-fi. Uh, the cinematography, the score, the production design, the art direction, it, it is literally perfect. I understand why this movie isn't for everyone, and you know while it bums me out, I also get why this wasn't a big financial hit, but I think it's a film that everyone should see like at least once and just kind of take it in for what it is, because not only is it top-notch filmmaking, but it it makes you think like it stays with you. It asks you important questions about society and humanity. And, um, it, it's a film that is very, very timely, but at the same time, like so far ahead of its time, 
Um, I just, I just can't wait to see what Denny Villanueva does next in this genre. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I said before, this was at one point number one, two, and three on my list. So I mean, it's definitely, in my opinion, one of the top four films of the year. Uh, I've only seen it once in the theater, um, so I'm excited to watch it again. But uh, yeah, man. Blade Runner 2049, I agree with Trevor, is probably one of the best sequels I've ever seen. We also have to talk about, yeah, this... we have to mention Jared Leto and <laughs> how great he is yes. in this, too. And Dave I, I Bautista, forgot. too. Oh, my goodness. Dave Bautista needed to be in this film about eight times as much as he was because <laughs> he was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was my number nine film. and I mean, it's incredible. The cinematography, where they go with the story, it's such a... It's such a risky move where they go with this story. Um, the way that they just kind of lie their cards on the table, like right at the very beginning. Um, and it is very like Star Wars The Last Jedi-esque in that it's like, that question's irrelevant. Here's where we're going. Throws it right out the window right at the very beginning and just goes. And uh, man, yeah, it's incredible. It's once again, one of those movies that it's like the fact that we got a high budget sci-fi film like this is just incredible. Um, I'm bummed that it didn't do well at the box office. And as Denny says, that's probably what cost it a best picture nomination. Mm -hmm. But I think time will be very kind to this movie. And ironically, I think, yeah, people, people didn't like the original Blade Runner when it came out either. So you could say this is the Blade Runner of this year. (laughs) (laughs) I I actually would say that. I would definitely go on record as saying that. Yeah. This is the film that they'll be showing to film classes 30 years from now. And everyone's going to be like, why wasn't that a big hit when it came out in 2017? So to 2017, you're wrong. (laughs) Yeah, so... Uh, that was Blade Runner 2049 and my number one film of the year, um, shouldn't come as a shock to anybody. I've talked about my love for this director multiple times in this podcast. He is my favorite director working today. His name is Edgar Wright and his film from this year is Baby Driver, which is unlike anything I've ever seen before in a movie. It's thrilling. It's romantic. It's funny. It's fast paced, then it has slow moments. It's a character piece, but also has action. It's a musical that never stops playing music, but the music interacts with the characters, not in like a La La Land kind of musical. It's everything in a movie and everything works. I mean, it's a great cast from Ansel Elgort, Lily James, um, Jamie Foxx, John Hamm, Isaac Gonzalez, even John Bernthal and The Flea. It's it's just amazing. Kevin Spacey, eesh. What? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I was going to avoid that because, <laughs> hey, uh, you know. He was in it, man. Try and separate the act. Try and separate the actor from the actions. He probably has the worst um, performance in this film, though, if we're being honest. True. Yes. Um. Yeah, it's it's an incredible movie. I I, I watched it again recently um, on Christmas Day because I got it on DVD. And I was just as floored literally and pun intended um, (laughs) by it watching it at home um, as I was watching it in the theater. And that's not to say that it's the same, but it's an incredible movie just in the way that it moves the cinematography here and the way that the music interacts with the characters. 
Um, it's, it's nothing I've never really ever seen before. And it's something that only Edgar Wright could do. And you could say that his whole career has been building to this movie because it's kind of a culmination of so many other things that he's done. And he does them perfectly here. Yeah. So this, uh, I think this was number three on my list. Yes, number three. Number three for Jake and number nine for Trevor. This number, was yeah. this was the most fun I had all year at the movies. Like it's it's such a blast from start to finish. Uh Edgar Wright is an honorable bench for a good reason. And this movie is just a tour de force of what this guy can do. Um the opening bank heist getaway scene is probably the best scene of the year, in my opinion. Um, I, I mean, I would highly recommend watching all of the behind the scenes stuff on this movie. Just yeah. like what into directing, editing, shooting this movie, um, is crazy. The scripting process. I mean, he's been writing this movie for like 10 or 15 years or something like that. Um, yeah. Since like the late 19, it was almost 20 years. Cause it was like the late 1990s. This, this is just like the epitome of a director's creative vision coming to life um, with, with no holdbacks, nothing being taken away by the studio. I mean, this is just creativity unleashed. And Edgar Wright is probably one of the most creative people working in Hollywood right now. Um, it's such a blast. Everyone involved does an amazing job. And the score slash soundtrack for this movie is fantastic. Um, it's just so fun. It's just a lot of fun, uh, and a lot of my other top movies are not fun. They're very heavy, and this was a breath of fresh air this year at the movies that uh, I don't think anybody was really expecting, except for the fact that it was Edgar Wright, so we all had high hopes, but this movie delivered in every way possible. It's so good. Yeah, I had this at number nine. It's, it's not quite as high. I found some of the characters to be a little archetypal. Um, but besides that, um, it's, I mean, it's still in my top 10, still a great film and a, an astounding technical achievement will probably win all of the sound editing Oscars and that kind of stuff, because it's so good in that, that regard. Um, definitely a singular vision, definitely an incredibly unique story. Um, it's definitely the best auto musical ever made. Um, it might be the only <laughs> one, but it's definitely the best one. Um, it just, the, some of the performances here, um, John Bernthal, who was also in Wind River for a tiny bit as he was in this, was great in both. Um, John Bernthal getting the most bang for his buck out of anyone in 2017, I think. True. Um, it's just, it's, it's just, it's very fun. Like you said, it's, it's unlike anything you've ever seen. Um, it's almost like in a bizarre way, it's almost like an homage to like a old timey fifties heist film while being incredibly modern at the same time. Yes, exactly. Couldn't have said it better without myself, (laughs) but that's all that we have for our top 10. Those are our top 10 films of 2017. We're going to run through those really quick, um, just in order to give everybody a refresher. So Jake, let's go 10 to one on your list. Starting at number 10, Big Little Lies, Logan, Star Wars The Last Jedi, Ingrid Goes West, I, Tanya, Stranger Things 2, Blader 2049, Baby Driver, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, and number one, Wind River. All righty, Trevor. All right, starting at 10, It, 
Baby Driver, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, The Last Jedi, The Big Sick, Dunkirk, Spider-Man Homecoming, Wonder Woman, Wind River, Blade Runner 2049. And starting at number 10 for me, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, Blade Runner 2049, Wind River, Only the Brave, Get Out, Spider-Man Homecoming, Brad's Status, The Big Sick, Star Wars The Last Jedi, and at number one, Baby Driver. Now, what's interesting is that there are seven films, four films that appear on all of our lists, and there are three films that appear on two of our lists. If you assign a point ranking where the number one film on everybody's list gets a 10, and the number 10 film on everybody's list gets a 1, and every film in between gets um, the reverse number of whatever they are, the number 7 film, if you combine all of our lists, is three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri with 10 points. Spider-Man Homecoming gets 13 points. The Big Sick also gets 13 points, but I awarded it the fifth place spot because it was the highest on somebody's list. And then on the films that were on everybody's list, Star Wars The Last Jedi is in fourth with 16 points. Blade Runner 2049 is in third with 19 points. Baby Driver in second with 20 points. And the number one film, if you combine all of our lists, is Wind River with 22 points. Popcorn optional. So there we go. I said Wind River, the best movie of 2017. The film that nobody's talking about. Hard to disagree with that. And also, if we're being honest, probably my favorite episode that we did this year. It was a good one. Yeah, a really good episode. A lot of fun. So everybody go check out our Wind River episode. It's number 19. It was from back in September. Well worth your time. And hopefully our conversation on it would make you want to go see the movie. And we're not going to do content of the week this week because we just ran through a bunch of films that were our favorite films of the year. That's our content of the week. Go see films and the point of this is to highlight films that we think are deserving of people's time to watch and films that um, either just made us excited and happy to see or that touched us emotionally and um, held a place in our hearts for the year. And so our content of the week is our top tens. I would just say... That's what we recommend. I would say go see the films in the theaters while you can. Uh, the- theater yes. viewing is the way films are made to be seen. Um, and like with the Oscar nominations, a lot of these films are now moving back into theaters or just now getting wide releases. So um, even if it didn't come through on the first round, check your local listings and go see films like Wind River, Three Billboards, um, I, Tanya, films that aren't maybe like commercial successes, uh, but films that are really important and you can see them in the theater while they're still there if you're if your theater is showing blade runner 2049 you have to go yes. see it because yes. that the movie can i i almost say it can only be seen on a big screen yeah. that's 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 how it is supposed to be and i will echo that but for baby driver which is not playing anywhere but if you know me shoot me a text and i will take you over to my parents house um, where they have a large theater inside their house that we can go watch Baby Driver at. And I will take anybody who wants to go see it. That's all we have for this week. Um, if you've enjoyed listening to us, please share us. Share us with a friend. Tell people you know about the podcast. and um, Share us with whoever you go see a movie with. That's the best way for us to grow. And that's the biggest compliment that you could give us is to just share us with somebody you know or uh, share us just online. Um, you can find more of our episodes on popcornoptional.com or we're on iTunes 
Um, just search Popcorn Optional. If you want to interact with us, go to our Twitter. Um, and We're on Popcorn Optional there, on Facebook at Popcorn Optional. Uh, my name is Cameron Slanina. You can find me online at 321 Time. Jake, where can we find you online? Find me on Instagram at jakebrown.tv, which is also my website URL. Trevor? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at TurboTrevor. And I'm really excited yep. to find out what our new send-off is. So, as we close out 2017, it is time to say goodbye to our former send-off, Pop Pop, as quoted from Community. And it's time to say hello hello to our new sign-off. Thank you, MTV, for pimping my ride. <laughs> uh, well, that's not actually our new oh. sign-off, but... As Exhibit. Michael Scott would say, when time is not a factor, I like to try out three or four different jokes. <laughs> um, but yeah, we hope you guys have a great week. And to also paraphrase the great Michael Scott, we will be back ASAP as possible. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. I personally still stand by the Michael Scott quote of, you don't know me, you've just seen my penis, but this is fine too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I felt like this one would fit more with uh, the overall environment of the probably. Podcast. Well, and yeah. and the medium also. Yes. yes. Also. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess cut. I'm definitely leaving the penis <laughs> joke in there. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye.